This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 179. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. We're rebooting the original podcast after a hiatus of almost two years to bring you some amazing authors and books for you to read and enjoy. To do that, I've decided to invite my good friend and fellow fantasy author, Scott Walker, to join the show as a co-host. Hey, Scott, welcome to the fun. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you've been up to with your books? What are you writing right now? Hey, thanks so much, Jamie. Uh, welcome to the fun indeed. Really appreciate you inviting me to uh, join you on this journey. Um, I'm an urban fantasy author best known for my Little Yokai series, which features lots of Japanese spirits, action, and magic. But my next book release is related to today's author guest. So I think I'll save that particular update for the end of the podcast. What are you working on? Well, I am currently working on book five in my Lone Wolf Squadron um, space opera, space western series. I guess you could call it a little bit of both. And um, so I'm working on that. And um, the next book I have coming out is actually book four in that series called Sector Force. That'll be coming out, coming up here in the end of February. And I'm given to understand there's a particular uh, AI in there. It's a it's a callback to a show I remember watching. When I was growing oh up. yeah, it's the 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 the, the, um, the artificial intelligence that runs their space station is corrupted and got turned into June Cleaver from the Leave It to Beaver series. <laughs> so uh, that's a lot of fun, and I get to channel my inner Barbara Billingsley. So. <laughs> Um, do, are, do the other characters show up or is it just a June Cleaver uh, callback? I, I, I guess I can say because it's I mean, she basically she thinks some of the members of the squadron are either her members are members of her family. So she she thinks the squadron leader is her husband. She thinks um, two of the pilots are Wally and the Beaver. And there's even an Eddie Haskell character who's just like Eddie Haskell. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. That does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. So listen, Scott, I'm excited about this podcast getting back on its feet, and I'm so excited about the first author we got here. She's actually been on the show before, but she's kicking off a new urban fantasy series, and she's coming here to do it, which is pretty awesome. So why don't you introduce today's guest author? It would be my pleasure. Thank you. Sarah Nofke is a prolific USA Today bestselling author who writes YA and new adult science fiction, fantasy, paranormal, and urban fantasy. Most of her stories draw on her experiences living on the West Coast, growing up in Texas, or traveling the world. Her passion for art, culture, and literature drives her to create stories that are full of whimsy, humor, and philosophy. Her books appeal to readers who enjoy an escape, a bit of magic mixed with science, and the unexpected, like a dragon who tells bad jokes and has a video game addiction, but fights for justice. All right, let's get to the interview with Sarah. Welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy Podcast. We're kicking off the show again, and uh, you're our first author to have on the show, Sarah. So welcome to the podcast. What an honor. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you here. Um, Scott, I think I, we gave you the first question, but first I want to have Sarah introduce herself and tell us a little bit about who you are, Sarah. 
Well, um, absolutely. I have done this with Jamie before. It was so fun the first time on the podcast. So thanks for having me back. My name is Sarah Nofke, and I'm a USA Today bestselling author, primarily in the fantasy genre. Um, I have 12 or 15 different series. I lost track, obviously, because 12 to 15 is the number. Um, I, I have about 90, almost 99 books. Um, and I started my author career in 2014. And since then, I've evolved to really find my um, my genre in urban fantasy. So that's what I'm working on right now. And it's something I love and therefore enjoy doing. Well, with an answer like that, my next question is going to be very difficult to answer, I think. But you know what? We're going to pose it and see how you answer. How would you describe your books and what would you tell a new reader what to expect if they were to discover your website tomorrow? It's, I mean, something I can still talk about in different terms than, you know, how many books I've written and everything. Um, Because my books tend to be very specific about the fantasy world. There's always the paranormal with psychics and, um, you know, fantasy characters more so in the recent ones. Um, But you're always going to have usually the female heroine. That's what I relate to. That's what I'm going to write. That's what I'm going to write well. Um, And she's going to be tough and courageous and she's going to fight for justice. And she's going to have a ragtag crew around her that helps, you know, um, her to be successful in her missions. There's always going to be humor. There's not going to be too much language or violence. And it's going to be action packed. And hopefully it'll jerk a few tears. Awesome. So you said you really settled into urban fantasy as your genre. What is it about urban fantasy that you enjoy so much? Well, I would love to hear y'all's answers on this too, because I think that it, it varies. Um, and recently I did the panel in 20 books and unfortunately Jamie couldn't be on that with us because he was saving the day um, in AV. But um, there I learned a lot about what other authors enjoy. And it reminded me of my own answer, which is, I love the magic and the mundane. I tend to have a pretty boring life, um, you know, and just a little bit, I'm going to go pick my daughter up from school, which is not boring. It's wonderful and fun, but we're going to go get her haircut and we're going to go to Target. And, you know, tomorrow we're going to, you know, go for a walk and it's wonderful, but my characters live in the same world, except for the person that works at Target is a gnome and he's secretly trading things on the side whenever he's not selling toasters. And, you know, the person that cuts their hair is, you know, has a night job, you know, as taking over the supernatural realm and, and saving the day. You know what I'm saying? So I love the magic and the mundane because it just sparks the imagination. And my daughter and I on our walks, we constantly are coming up with ideas and she's like, oh, well, what if they are, they do this? And what if that happens? And the best ideas come from an 11 year old. Um, and she definitely gets credit for a lot of them. So I just love urban fantasy because you can take things that are normal and you can make them fantastical, you know, like father time runs a pawn shop. Mother Nature is a debutante that loves tracksuits and pancakes, you know, and so it, it spins what we know on its head and makes it more fun. Very That's cool. It. Very cool. Well, we know one of the the most recent books, I'm not sure if it's going to put you over 100 or not. I'm not sure what you have on your publishing schedule, but one of your upcoming books involves lots of magic and is set in a shared world project called Delta Operatives Underground. 
Um, I'm going to read a little bit of a summary for this uh, world in case our listeners don't know what it is. Here we go. The agents of Delta Underground operatives have one critical mission. Keep magic secret. Humans are not ready to know that the creatures from their dreams are real. They're even less prepared to fight the monsters from their nightmares. When the gods were killed, Alder Shaw, the sole surviving demigod, established Duo to protect the status quo, solve the mystery of the gods' fates, and safeguard the puddle, the last reservoir of divine magic. Aided by twin witches Maven and Moxie, Shaw paired up beings of magic who resonated with each other. In tandem with the puddle, these individuals now enjoy access to a second set of abilities, making them tough to beat. These beings are the agents of Duo. Following are the case files of Duo agents Clara and Damien. And I believe those two character names mean something to you, Sarah. Do they? <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? So, um, yes, uh, I, wrote, I wrote the series with Clara. <laughs> I was like, your question. So question is, um, what about the shared universe concept enticed you to be part of it? Great question. And you just reading that description made me excited. And I'm writing in this universe. Um, but I'm writing this during my time off, meaning I had made a, a contract with LMBPN, who I write with mostly for nine months. And last year I took three months off and I was going to do that again this year. And then Nicole and Kimbra came to me as they came to y'all and said, are you interested in this you know, universe? And I would have to write during my time off. And at first I was like, I really want to not work all the time and say the phrase, I'm so busy. Um, but I sat with Kimbra at InkersCon in Dallas um, in June. And I said, just tell me about this. And she started to talk about, the, you know, these elements that, were, that you described in the description and the puddle and the shared magic and all of the potential. And I couldn't help but get excited. And I was like, I want to be a part of this no matter what, like if it's a success, obviously I want to ride the train with you guys. If it's not a success, I just want to be a part of the fun experience. So please let me in the sandbox um, because these ladies have come up with a fantastic idea. And I was really impressed with the level of details that they had and um, the authors like you guys that are involved, like how could I not be excited and wanting to be involved? So that's what got me in, on board. So tell us a little bit about your book. Give us a lead in to the improbable pair that's coming out uh, in from this series. You're actually the inaugural book for the, the shared universe. I know. No pressure, right? Um, <laughs> no, I'm excited, though, um, because it was my 97th book. The third one in the series is going to be the 99th. So that's exciting. And then I'll do number 100 in 2023 at the beginning. So it's all great. Um, but that doesn't answer your question. The answer to that is, so we have this villain and in duo, um, the pairs are matched to the villain. And we have this villain that has found that coma patients are a source of psychic energy because they're easy to leech and siphon. So we had Alder Shaw has to find the right duo for fighting our villain, Taz, Kira. And he finds Clara and Damien and they can't be any more improbable as a pair. She is quiet and a vegan and a hippie and all about yoga and meditation. And she's a psychic, a clairvoyant. 
So that's going to help with fighting this, this villain. And then we have our famous rock star, Loud, loves red meat because he's a vampire, Damien. Put those two together. And Alder assures them, y'all are the right ones to take down our villain. You're the only ones. But their biggest obstacle will be not killing each other. Awesome. I love it. I love having the built-in friction between characters. <laughs> it's fun. It's life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything about either of the characters individually that you particularly latched onto or was an inspiration for you as you kind of developed and fleshed out those characters? I, I mean, inevitably, we always take something from our real life. You know, like I write a lot about my daughter and my young adult characters you know, because I, I want her to have that strength and everything. And in this one, it's um, it's not any different. Um, I'm somewhat like Clara and that I've always gravitated towards, she lives in like Topanga Canyon, you know, uh, Scott would know that in California where the hippies, the last hippies have gone to die. Um, and I very much make fun of hippies all day long and say, oh, you insufferable beings, you know, don't inundate me with your, you know, values and, you know, things. Um, and I am one is the hypocritical thing. So I related a lot to her. Um, and so then conversely, um, the vegan part is that my boyfriend, um, uh, Craig Falconer is a vegan. And I, at first always gave him trouble about it because at the time I was keto. I mean, talk about opposites, right? I'm over there eating just like chicken and beef and he's over there like, you know, with uh, veggie burgers and things. Um, and then I would always make fun of him about being a vampire. And to my credit, I found his gravestone in a Scottish graveyard that said his full name. And I was like, told you, told you, you've been around <laughs> for 500 years. <laughs> it's all a scam. It's a long con. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, I had different reasons for calling him that. So, I mean, a lot of us... Uh, it's a conglomeration. It's not specifically, he's not a rock star. He is in my mind. He plays a brilliant piano. Um, and you know, Claire's a lot like me, but we're also opposites. He's usually quiet and I'm usually the loud one, believe it or not. Um, but I think that that's what we do. Don't y'all find that you put pieces of yourself and then your, you know, closest people around you in your books. Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, and, yeah, it's something, and it could be something as simple as oh, the favorite drink is a morning mocha or a gin martini. There's, there's usually some personal habit or mannerism I have that I inevitably inflict on my characters. But see, that's what makes it interesting and relatable and and fun. And Jamie, you do the same thing. Oh yeah, I I do, and it, it was fun to to do that. In like, I took some of the aspects of my relationship with my wife Amy and. Um, work that into my duo characters. Now, the funny thing is now we're happily married, have been married for 32 years now. And, you know, everything's great. I mean, there are ups and downs, but that's life. But the my two characters are divorced and forced to work together. And um, but it was fun taking some of the aspects of how we argue and the things that annoy each other and really play into that in these characters that I wrote. So I, I completely get it. I love that. And it's, again, that built-in friction, tension. And, I mean, they have to work together. Um, and you and Amy have such a, a beautiful relationship. I'm always yeah. honored. You know, Thank you. Back in the day, Jamie told me, my wife's my first reader. And I was just, and I mean, you've written how many books? Uh, 44 now. 
And she reads every single one. And I mean, it's just amazing. So I think it's, it's really cool. The inspiration that we draw from the people around us. And also if you piss me off, um, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so uh, you kind of answered the question I had coming up next, but I'll ask you this, you know, um, do you, do you have anybody that means the villain modeled after someone that you, um, or, or that t- ticked you off? Is there uh, somebody out there who's going to be the villain in this story? There is a few minor villains and I use them as inspirations, but I won't <laughs> go into that because they're watching. They're like, Oh, um, but actually I have an interesting story about that. Um, two actually, but I'll make the first one quick since it's not as relatable. But um, when, when Nicole came to me and asked me if I was willing to do this, I had had a dream and I woke up and I told Craig, I was like, I had this dream and I feel like it has to become a book. And at the time he was studying uh, thrillers because also as a author like us, he's constantly studying genre. He's much more strategic than I am. I just am like, you know, flying, but I don't, I don't, I'm not a pantser, but I fly by the seat of my pants and I'm like, Oh, that inspired me. But he's like, you know, finding craft. And so we started talking about this as a thriller. And so the idea was that a girl wakes up on a train and she doesn't know how she got there or where it's going, but she knows somebody's on that train that wants her there and is after her. Ready, set, go. That's where the novel starts. And that's that's Claire. That was the dream I had. And I was like, oh, that's good. That's not the answer to your question. But the next one was later on, I had a dream about the villain. And so when Nicole came to me and normally my response would be, I don't have time. I, this is my time off. I was like, the universe has delivered me ideas for the beginning of the story and the villain. There's like literally no way that I can say no and feel you know good about this. So what it was, was I went to sleep one night and I woke up and I had this dream about this villain standing in a hospital ward where the coma patients are kept. And he's literally like siphoning them one by one, but he gets greedy. So what does he do? Siphons one too much flat lines, dead. And because he's such a bad villain, he goes, oh, well, burned a match. And he walks off. I woke up and I was like, dear God, I can't make this stuff up. This is fantastic, you know, villain fodder. So where did it come from? Dream. <laughs> awesome. Have y'all ever yeah. dreamed your stuff? Because I'm hearing about this more and more as I talk about it. I have I have had things come up in dreams and like uh, solutions. Like I go to bed not knowing when I'm going to write completely the next day. I'm like stuck on something. Um, can't figure out how to get the hero out of a problem. And I will dream it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll wake up and I'll know the solution. So... And whenever I took the time off last year, I did those master classes that you see online. And one was by, um, and I'm not, I can't remember his name, but he was a sleep expert. He was a neuroscientist. And he said, he did all these studies. And one was, we say the phrase, when we have a problem, we'll just sleep on it. It's factually true. And they did these studies where they would give people complex problems and try to have them solve it. And they couldn't. And then because people, because scientists are jerks, they would take half of the group and they would give them lots of sleep and they would take the other half and they would deprive them of sleep. And then they would have the control group that got whatever amount. And then they would give them the problem again. The ones that had the sleep could come back and solve the problems. So sleeping on problems really works, whether you dream the answer or not, but 
What about you, Scott? Do you dream your stories? Not not as much as I would like to. I don't have that kind of on-demand switch that I can just flip. Um, but I have woken up with the first line of a potential book. I've woken up um, have once in a while. I'll go to bed with a problem and wake up with it solved. But I'd really want, I would really like to to develop that because I like you said they're just they're, the ideas come from everywhere from the ether from nowhere and and to the ability that I could if I could help that process along I'd love that I'd love that and talk about like multitasking <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly I like that even better <laughs> to sleep. so um I'm curious you've got one book written for the duo for your particular duo assassin pair you doing how many more are you doing more so i have two written and then the third one will be done by december 20th before the end of 2022 and so i have three that i'm definitely committed to doing okay so um can you give us a preview of what might the characters be encountering or you want to like keep it a little under wraps no it's fine for the first arc our three book arc um you know, it's not a spoiler that our horrible bad guy that siphons coma patients, which is like the worst thing I could think of because like talk about innocent, already traumatized, you know, um, but I made those people into uh, that you fall into long-term comas because your brain is so developed. So I was like, I can use this, um, but it's not going to be uh, the first book that we take down Kira, uh, Taz Kira. Instead, he's got multiple uh, henchmen and goons that we need to take down and each time we're going to get closer to him until in the end of uh, the first arc, uh, book three, they'll come face to face with uh, Taz Kira and uh, hopefully save what he calls the family, which are his coma patients that he siphons off of. Um, but also along the way, uh, Claire and Damien are having to learn to walk or work together. And when they bonded because of the puddle, it did some really gnarly things to them. Like it made him the first vegan vampire ever, uh, which he hates. Um, and, you know, like she's taken on all of these characteristics of him. Um, but I think we're not going to learn necessarily that opposites attract, but instead op- opposites can complement each other and then they can evolve together. So it's a very much an evolution. It's slow burn romance, lots of jokes and bonding. And we're going to take down a lot of bad guys along the way um, and really explore some of the themes from Duo. Awesome. Awesome. So um, this might be a trick question, um, hint, hint. Um, but as you've looked at other books that are coming out of the Duo's world, are there any that, that really leap out at you? I know we've had some fantastic covers exposed recently, and um, some people have put their blurbs out there. I know Cat's the book that comes out after yours, I believe. Um, but um, what Cat Healy, by the way, that's the second book coming out in the Shared World series. Um, but are there anybody that you're really looking forward to that, you know, you've read their blurb and you're just excited to see what those stories are about? Absolutely. And uh, fortuitously, I have two of those authors here. This is a plan, but it actually, this is complete legit because um, whenever I was diving into this universe and I was trying to learn everything that I could, I had to do my research. And so the first thing I did was I read a bunch of snippets that Scott had about a really cool location called Midnight Crossing. And in doing so, I thought, oh my God, this is so fun. Why don't I read more urban fantasy? I end up writing like 12 to 15 books a year. So I'm a really bad reader. Um, do as I say, not as I do sort of thing. But 
doing that, it reminded me how much. And your book, uh, Scott, is from first person. And it was so sassy and fun. And I also needed to get the feel for those twins that we that you mentioned in the description, Maven and Moxie. And there was a private jet that we're all sharing, Midnight Crossing, you know, all of these things, um, the market that's inside of Midnight Crossing. So that got me really excited. And I'm definitely want you to describe your book. Um, and then, Jamie, you touched on it. I mean, what a genius idea that you have divorced characters and it's like, well, you better suck it up. And I mean, I'm divorced and uh, we share a daughter. And that is the most important, you know, project ever. And we work together flawlessly. But if we have to figure out what we're going to eat for dinner, we're going to fight like cats and dogs. So <laughs> I love the idea that you came up with. And the the uh, token that they use is their wedding ring, right? Yeah. And so that's the thing that they have to flip. So anyways, guys, take it over because I didn't do justice on either of you. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to explain for anyone who is listening and maybe not understand that reference to the token, because it was not included in the yeah. summary that I read in order to activate these unique abilities, each of the duo assassin pairs, the dual casters have to flip uh, a physical object at the same time that allows them to access the puddle, which get, grants them ability or access to new different types of abilities and magic. So um, yes. Uh, so for the wedding rings, for the divorced, but forced together dual caster assassin. It, it's just a great, again, it's one of those, it seemed like a good idea at the time kind of <laughs> things, right? You know, they were so in love. Yes. Let's make our coins into, into these wedding bands. It'll be perfect and forever. And <laughs> then life happened. Yes. <laughs> then corpse weevils happened, but that'll be something you'll have to read about. <laughs> oh my <laughs> corpse weevils. Yes. Yes. Spoiler alert. There will be corpse weevils. Um, so I, ha I have had some experience, Sarah, working in shared worlds and collaborative storytelling. And uh, the term herding creative cats, I think, has been tossed around more than once in this group in, in a very fun uh, way. Uh, what's been your experience working with other authors in a shared project? Is this the first shared world that you've written in? And like in general, uh, clearly you said, I've got to be a part of this project. Clearly you have some attraction to doing that. What, what, what is it about that as a writer that really kind of fuels your creativity? It's a great question. Um, I have had the opportunity to work in other shared universes. I was one of the first authors on Orsaren that uh, is through LMBPN, uh, primarily run through Mark the Car. And I liked the experience, but it was difficult because when you're used to being an individual writer and doing whatever you want inside of your universe, all of a sudden you've got to cooperate on rules and things. Um, but I have, that was 2017. I've learned a lot. I've worked with Michael Anderley a ton and collaborations are more fun because we push each other's writing. Um, so once I saw that Nicole and Kimber were the one champion this, I respect both of them a lot. And I know that they have like our, our, uh, duos, they have different personalities, you know, that kind of, uh, balance each other out. But I saw the authors, you guys that were in it, other authors, and, so far, it has been so fun because I think that everybody gets along really well. I just noticed everybody it becomes accountable. We all show up for the calls, which I find really extraordinary. Um, when something needs to be done, somebody picks up the challenge and says, hey, I'll do it. Hands up, you know. Um, and then like Scott, you know, came up with the idea of Midnight Crossing. And I didn't get it quite right because 
well, honestly, half the time, I, I don't know if I'm reading things right or whatever, but it was my fault. And it was such an easy thing to like hammer out. It was like, oh, wait, the market's inside of Midnight Crossing. Here's the rules for getting in. Scott and I have this fun conversation and we work it out. That was way more fun than me arguing with myself for 10 minutes about a location that I made up on my own, you know? Um, so it's been a pleasure. I've had so much fun, which is why I was like, I'll do three books, guys. Like, let me play as long as possible. Um, and I have really high hopes because it's all really positive people on board and everybody seems to be working for the same goal instead of having ego and things that sometimes throws the whole power dynamic out of balance. I don't know if that's been y'all's experience, but I think it can happen in the author realm. It can happen in a lot of realms, I think. And uh, I've had the the benefit of working with uh, Siobhan Clark and uh, Kat Healy and in the same kind of a thing where we're trying to put Easter eggs in each other's books and make these references and have our characters make cameos. Uh, I was working with Mel Todd. Uh, we literally wrote a scene together between our two characters over Zoom or Discord, one of the two. Um, it's so much fun. So, so much fun to have someone else to bounce ideas off of and get that creative spark. Love it. Love it. Isn't it great? And I mean, my background is in academics. And when we would collaborate, it was like, well, what student learning and uh, outcome rubric would you like to have? And I just think it's so great, if I may just pause for a second and say, how cool is it that we're adults and you and I are having a conversation about a made up city with elves and gnomes. And, you know, we get to we get to collaborate on that instead of talking about accounting. Like I sometimes <laughs> have to pinch myself and go, I get paid for this. Yep. Do it every day. Every time I wake up, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. See, it really is. Don't take it for granted. And I love that. Yeah. So you've, you've written a lot of books, obviously, and you've got multiple series um, that your readers are really attached to. I'm thinking of like the, the whole Buffon family saga that you've written many books in. Um, what do you tell your existing fans about this new series to get them to try out the new world and the new characters? That is a, Excellent, excellent question. Um, and at first I was a little worried. I swear, I stared at the wall right in front of me for a good like three days when I first started this book because I thought if I'm not writing a Buffon book, the Buffon universe is about 50 books deep right now with another 12 scheduled for 2023. And then, you know, you have that moment where you go, I can't write anything else. There's no way. Um, and I thought I forgot how to write. It's none of these things are true. These are things we tell ourselves. But here's the thing is before I stumbled onto the Buffon world and I started writing with LMBPN, I wrote 18 books in five different series in my own universe. And that universe has its own laws and its own tone. And it's not that it's right or wrong, but in the LMBPN world, I have to stick to certain ways of writing, certain tones, um, the, the, the lightness, you know, the equation, um, the formula. Um, but whenever I was on my own and I was doing things, I was writing in what was called the Dream Traveler universe, which I had created. Speaking of dreams, it's dreams are real. You go into your dreams and you can go to any place at any you know, time and you can do things with real people. Um, and you can, you know, travel through space and time, which is amazing to me as a person that loves time travel and traveling in general. Um, and I've had lots of readers come back to me and say, when are you ever going to go back to the Dream Traveler universe? But I got so involved with doing LMBPN stuff 
that I kind of abandoned that universe. And there's five different series inside of there. Um, and they tend to be a little darker. There can be a lot more death, a lot more um, just darker themes that we don't do as much in LMBPN because we try to keep that light for that specific uh, audience of readers. So good news to these readers that have been asking. I'm going to be revisiting the uh, Dream Traveler world. Clara is a dream traveler, and that's part of her psychic ability, that she goes into her dreams and she can contact these people inside of the comas. And she can go, where are you? What are you hearing? What's around you? What do you remember last? And she can talk to them using her dreams. Um, and so I think that I've been getting that a lot from my current audience. When are you going to go back? And I'm able to say, now, come join me. And then also, I think LMBPN readers will follow me because they've taken, you know, the the, the drug um, and they've gotten on board. And, you know, so hopefully I get everybody following us over to the duo universe and enjoying all of our books. Yeah. Okay. So clearly 2023 is going to be an amazing year for you as an author. I hope so. And y'all too. <laughs> all right. I think we're about ready to go into what I like to call the no wrong answers uh, phase of this podcast. Uh -oh. So again, no wrong answers, five questions, answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Uh, yes. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Question number one, favorite food. Nachos. Question number two, fill in the blank. If I could spend the whole day doing blank, I would. Playing in the water. Favorite fictional character. See, there are wrong answers. You can I can take a pass. You can take a pass. Because <laughs> I'm going to say an answer and then all of a sudden I'm going to go, why did you say that? Um, I like uh, Lyra from um, the Golden Compass series. Nice. Materials. All right, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Favorite See, can you TV. Make them all that easy. What's that? Go ahead. No, can you, I just say, can you make them all that easy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. Favorite. Last last question. Favorite TV series? Doctor Who. Nice. nice. Very nice. Well done. You survived. Great job. See, that I wasn't know, but so you bad. know what? I'm going to revisit that. How would you spend all day? Because I was just thinking oh, I'd like to be on a jet ski and I'd like to be playing in the water and da, 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 da. But later on, I'm going to go, no, you'd rather be sleeping or watching movies. <laughs> no, you'd rather be hiking through the wood. No wrong answer. Character. No, right, no wrong answer. Can I write in new responses? <laughs> <laughs> you can leave them in the comments on the episode post if you want. I've changed my mind. <laughs> I've changed my mind. This is what I really want to do. <laughs> I was going to say Harry Potter, but that's what, but that's what I want, what I think other people want me to say, you know? Well, I think it was, honest. I think Lara was a great answer to that. Me too. I, Me too. I love his dark materials. Philip Pullman is why I like to write young adult fiction. I want something that is fantastical that makes people smarter. Ooh. Awesome. Love that. That's love so cool. That. Well, we are, we are wrapped up here. We're closing out the call and Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and being on the show. Um, let's just give you a quick um, chance to kind of, Tell us a little bit about where people can find you, find the improbable pair that's out now as this podcast is released and they can go ahead and connect with you online. I'd love that. Thank you so much. Yes. The improbable pair releases January 13th. You will only have to wait three weeks to get the second book and two weeks to get the third book. They will all be released by February 17th. Promises, promises. Um, book two is already up for pre-order. So I have to uh, commit to that promise. But you can find me online at 
Sarah Nofke, that is Sarah with an H, Nofke, N is in Nancy, O, double F is in Frank, K-E, dot com. Um, I'm also on Facebook. You can follow me there. And you can just type in Improbable Pair into Amazon, and it'll take you straight to the pre-order page or to the product page. Um, but I'm just excited to be on board with you guys. Follow us on Delta Underground Operatives on Facebook, and you can see all the fun. Sarah is so much fun. I'm so glad we were able to get her on the show. I can't wait to read her books. Um, the Duos Universe is um, starting off with her book, The Improbable Pair. That comes out on Friday, January 13th, which for some of you, depending on when you're listening to this, it might already be out or you can pre-order it. So make sure you do that. We'll have links to everything we talked about in this episode in the show notes for this post. So um, you can go over and check that out. Scott, why don't we wrap up? Uh, tell us how to get a hold of you and where people can find out more about your books and what do you have coming out next? All right. The easy question is my website, which is scottiswriting.com. And as far as what's coming out next, now that we know a little bit more about the duo world, I'm happy to announce that my particular book is launching February 24th. It's called Cloak and Dagger. And my dual casting assassin pair is a male wood elf and a female necromancer. And uh, yeah, that sounds like it's going to go about as well as it, uh, as it sounds like. It is not exactly a match made in heaven, or as I call it, it's, a, it's the match made in hell or a dating site. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And then I will be following that up with most likely another book later this year in this series. How about you? Well, you can find me at jamiedavisbooks.com or on my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. And um, you want to make sure you check out the podcast and subscribe to the show. You can do that by going over to jamiedavisbooks.com and just clicking on the podcast tab. That'll take you right to the most recent podcast episode. And you can scroll down there and find past episodes as well. And there are links right there below the player to subscribe to the episodes. So it's, it's really uh, easy to do. And we want you to come back and catch our next episode coming right up. Until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker. Read well and read often. Yeah.